Good morning. It's great to see you. My name is Gareth. I'm married to Rachel, and we have a son named Caleb. He's sitting right there. Hey, Caleb. He opted to stay in for the talk. I said, it's going to be boring. Just, just what is about? He opted to stay in. Um, you'll notice I'm dressed a little bit more smartly than usual, um, although I'm, I'm, I have to apologize. I have ruined the look because I'm wearing my I Heart Fairvale socks today. So, uh, if you can see that. So, I, I, I do apologize for that. Um, I have the privilege of leading the church plant in Fairvale, um, and God is really on the move in Fairvale. Uh, this week, I was walking the streets with someone in our team, and we got talking to a group of young men. I knew one or two of them, but not all of them. And we were telling them about the church, gave them a leaflet, and, and so on. And they said, one of them said, that's so strange. We were just talking about how I really needed a change in my life and how my life is, is not how I wanted to be, uh, and this is what I need. And it's just amazing. He told us a bit about his story, and I won't go into detail, but you know, he was just ready to receive Jesus. And so I said, can I pray with you? Uh, he said, yeah. So I prayed with him. And as I prayed with him in the street, he was just weeping in front of his mates, you know, the young man, uh, not, not embarrassed at all, just, just weeping. Uh, and he said, his words were, I felt the love and acceptance of God for the first time. Isn't that just amazing? So God is really, really on the move. As Tom said, in a, in a time of great uncertainty and upheaval in our nation and in our world, we have a message that brings hope, don't we? A message that transforms lives. The message of Jesus. The message is that there's a God who loves you. More than you can possibly imagine. In spite of all your flaws and weaknesses and all the, the bad choices that we all make. He loves us. He loves us so much that he came and became a human being, even, and died to take the punishment for the sins that we've done. He took the, the, our, our bad choices on himself. And then he rose again, praise God, and he's alive and he's closer to you than you realize. And he wants to bring you hope. He wants to be in relationship with you. And he's coming back again as well. He's, he's coming back to make all things new. That's part of our message too, isn't it? Maybe you're here for the first time and, and you've just come maybe because of the, this week's events and, and you're not wondering why you're here maybe even. And you want to find out more about this God who loves you. Then I'd love to talk to you after. Come and find me. That'd be great. So this, this is the day when we're being commissioned. It's not goodbye we're going to stay part of the STC family for the next season and we'll always keep in touch for sure. But I wanted to take this opportunity before I get into the Bible just to honour this church and say thank you because today marks a bit of a shift and a change in the way that I guess we relate to each other. Um, so I wanted to say thank you. Thank you for being my spiritual home for 16 years and 18 years for Rachel, my wife. I remember coming to visit Rachel when she was in first year university. I was living in Bedford and we came to visit her and she settled in this church. I remember thinking, I'm not sure I can see myself feeling at home here, if I'm honest. <laughs> and how wrong I was. It's been a fantastic blessing and, and uh, amazing family to be part of. So thank you so much. Thank you to all the friends who've journeyed with us through good times and tough times. And yeah, made some fantastic friends here. So thank you. Um, I know I speak for the whole team as well, in fact, who you know, have been commissioned today. I'm sure they'll have their own stories of 
Um, what a blessing this church has been. But thank you so much. I want to say a particular personal thank you to Tom and to Alan. Tom, thank you for um, just all your encouragement and you know, um, backing us with the church plant. Um, thank you for marrying me and Rachel back in 2008. I think it was your first wedding, wasn't it? I think you were more nervous than we were. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah. Um, and th- yeah, just thank you for all your godly leadership and, and wisdom. Such a blessing. And Alan as well, thank you for your patient understanding and godly wisdom in all our chats and processing about further stuff. So thank you. I want to say thank you to this church as well for all your support for Fairvale. As I talk to other church planters, it makes me realise how lucky and blessed we are to be being sent by this church. All the financial support, the prayer support, the opportunities to speak and recruit team, really it's a special, uh, a special thing, so thank you. The, someone once said that the mark of a great church is not its seating capacity, but its sending capacity. And this church is becoming a sending church, and, and, and it's a fantastic sending church. So I pray that you'd send many more teams over the years as well. Okay, so we're going to watch a very short video now. It's about six minutes long, um, so hopefully it's going to work. So um, if you just turn your eyes to the screen, grab your popcorn, sit back and enjoy. Thank you. This week I was talking to a neighbour whose grandma sadly died recently. And he said to me that he will always remember the last words she spoke to him. Isn't that often the case, that we often... The, the, the people's last words to us can be the most memorable, the most important to us. And today we're going to read some of Jesus' last words to his disciples before he ascended into heaven, after he died and rose again, and before he went, he left them to go to heaven. So it's sometimes called the Great Commission, uh, and I thought it was fitting for our commissioning to read the Great Commission. So um, let's lean in and hear what's, what did Jesus choose as his last words to his disciples. It's Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, and it should appear on the screen, hopefully. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. You may have recognized those words from in the video because that's our vision for Fairvale is to make disciples of all nations in Fairvale. It's based on these words of Jesus, isn't it? But rather than going into depth in this, on this passage today, what I want to do is to, to show you that this idea of reaching all nations with the gospel didn't start here with, Je- with these words, famous words of Jesus. Actually, it goes much further back in the Bible. I don't know if you've ever had a conversation with someone where they've got an agenda. You know, and no matter how many times you take, try and change the subject back to something else, they always bring it back to that thing that's in their mind or their heart. Maybe it's just because they're passionate about that thing and they just always want to talk about it. Like conversations with Caleb, my son, often revolve around what we're going to have for our next meal. Like we'll finish lunch and he's like, what's the tea? And it, it, because he's passionate about food. I wonder when you read the Bible, whether you listen out for What's, what's God's agenda? What are the things that he keeps bringing the conversation back to? So what themes keep coming up again and again and again? One example that people often talk about is God's heart for the poor, isn't it? That in multiple different ways, different contexts, again and again, 
he often brings the story and the, and the conversation back to serving the poor. Another example is God's heart for all nations. We see it throughout the Bible. Actually, the phrase all nations appears in the Bible over 50 times in the context of worship and mission. I'm going to read some of them to you. I'm not going to read all 50. I'll put a selection on the next slide. Um, there's about 20 on that slide, I think. Um, there's some references. Just a, just a handful of, the, of, of, of those, um, those references. Um, and I'm going to read a few of them to you. So we, the first time we see it is in as early as Genesis chapter 18, like the 18th chapter of the Bible. It's right at the start where God says to Abraham, your offspring will be a blessing to all nations. His offspring was obviously refers to Jesus, doesn't it? So as early as the first book of the Bible, we see that mandate, that, that calling, that heart for the nations. The book of Psalms is full of references to all nations, particularly in the context of worship. It says things like, all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the nations will bow down before him. That's Psalm 22. And Psalm 86, all the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name. Psalm 96, declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous deeds among all peoples. The book of Isaiah is full of prophecies about all nations. The Lord Almighty will pre prepare a feast of rich food for all nations. The Lord will lay, this is that's Isaiah 25, Isaiah 52, the Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all nations and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Isaiah 67, I am about to come and gather the people of all nations and languages and they will come and see my glory. Isaiah 61, for as a soil makes a shoot come up and a garden causes the seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will cause righteousness and praise to spring up before all nations. And then we read the New Testament. And as if you haven't already heard enough and you're not convinced yet, Jesus says things like, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. He says things like, the gospel must first be preached to all nations. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So this was something that Jesus himself kept coming back to again and again. So when his disciples heard these words from uh, the Great Commission, make disciples of all nations, they wouldn't have been surprised, because they'd have heard it many times before. God's heart for all nations was in the very first book of the Bible in Genesis. It's also in the last book of the Bible in Revelation, where John has this vision of heaven. It's amazing. Guess who's there? All nations. <laughs> yeah? It says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. What a beautiful picture of heaven that is. I really long to see just a small taste of that in farewell. Revelation 15, all nations will come and worship before you for your righteous acts have been revealed. Do you get the picture? Yeah, I don't need to labour the point any more than I already have. Throughout the Bible, from beginning to end, God's agenda, God's mission is clear. He wants to bless all nations. He wants to reach all nations. He wants all nations to taste and see that he's good. We're called to play a part in that mission, aren't we? 
So that's our vision for farewell. That's it, to see all these prophecies fulfilled in farewell, to fulfill that mandate to go and reach all the nations which are literally on our doorstep in farewell. It would be much easier just to aim to reach one nation, wouldn't it? You know, people who dress like us, talk like us, eat the same food as us, behave according to the same culture. But that's not God's agenda. That's not God's heart. It's not just for one nation. It's not just for Israel. It's not just for England, of course. It's for the whole world. It's the message of the gospel. Of course, it would also be much easier to just try and reach people who don't already have a religion, wouldn't it? To avoid that kind of awkward conversation of people who already have a faith, to, to invite them to come and see how awesome our God is. But again, God calls us to reach all nations, regardless of whether they already have belief system or not. And it would certainly, certainly be much easier not to try and bring all the communities in Fervel together where there can often be tensions, hostility. But Ephesians chapter 2 in the Bible says that the cross has destroyed the dividing wall of hostility. So the hostilities that exist in our neighbourhood are absolutely smashed by the cross. The gospel brings reconciliation with God but reconciliation with others too, with each other. God, would you do that through us in farewell, please, Lord? There is, of course, an elephant in the room as well, that um, it might seem strange to call ourselves All Nations Church when the team that we're starting out with isn't particularly diverse, if I'm honest. Um, we're predominantly white British, uh, and so we're not that diverse, really, starting out. But actually, Jesus' 11 disciples, who he commissioned to go and make disciples of all nations, weren't very diverse either. They were all from Judea, from the region of Galilee. They all spoke with the same accent. They weren't diverse at all, but that didn't let them off the hook. They, Jesus sent them with his authority to go and make disciples of all nations. So it doesn't let us off the hook either. All Nations Church is not just a, it's not, it's not a description of our current reality, it's a statement of intent of what we aim to become and what we'll probably inevitably become by about week two, hopefully. <laughs> so what if you don't live in Fairvale? How can you play a part in God's mission to reach the nations? I wonder whether you, whether you hear, when you hear me talk about the vision to reach all nations, whether you count yourselves out, maybe because of where you live, not being very diverse, or your, where you work or something. You might think, oh, that's great for Fervale, but there's lots of nations there. What about me living in Crooks or Crosspool? It's not so diverse. How am I going to play my part in that? Or maybe you just feel very small and insignificant. And like, how could you ever reach the nations? That's a, bit, that's a big grand vision that God's got to reach the nations. But how do we... How do, Little me, how do I play my part in that? I often feel like that myself. I would encourage you just to start by reaching somebody. Don't worry about reaching the whole nations. And all, just reach somebody. Reach your next door neighbour. Reach that person you, you see at the gym or your colleague at work. Or reach somebody with, with the message of Jesus. You never know what will come from it. I had a friend uh, at school, uh, in high school, 
And um, I took him to Alpha, an Alpha course uh, when we were 15 years old. And uh, he took some really great steps towards faith. Uh, in fact, he even prayed a prayer of commitment. Um, and, uh, but he, he didn't really ever settle into church or kind of, it didn't make, seem to make a difference to his life. And so I wondered, like a year on after that, I wondered, was it all just a waste of effort and nothing really came of it? Um, but I remember praying when he went off to university, I remember praying that he would find a church that he could fill at home in and settle in and so on. And God answered that prayer. And uh, he's now living in Newcastle and he's leading a small group for asylum seekers. You know, so God's using him to reach the nations. And that was just, you know, th- my, my small attempt to witness my friend and pray my simple prayer for my friend. You never know what will come from it. God loves to do extraordinary things through ordinary people like you and me. Ordinary acts, ordinary simple things. You don't have to worry about uh, you know, reaching the nations as such. Just reach who you can. Mother Teresa is famous for saying that not everyone is able to do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. So, don't, so start small, but don't cut yourselves out. People often ask me, how did I know that God was calling me to plant a church? On, on the theme of extraordinary things starting off very, very ordinary. Okay? Um, there was no lightning bolt in the sky telling me you know, I'm going to plant a church. Uh, it was just a feeling that I couldn't shake, that kept niggling, that I, I couldn't, uh, that I felt like that was something that I was supposed to be doing. Um, and about a year ago, um, sorry, it's also something that I, I came back pre- time and again in my prayer times and things that have been confirmed by other people. But about a year ago, um, I told Rachel, my wife, that um, I was planning to, or thinking of quitting my job and going to church plant full time. And uh, Rachel was, shall we say, uh, supportively sceptical about the idea. Um, but, um, so she, she challenged me to go back through my journals. I don't journal as often as I would like to, but I, occasionally I write down my thoughts, or my prayers, or things I feel God's saying to me in notebooks. And she challenged me to go back through your journals, see if you can find any times when God has spoken to you explicitly about church planting. And if I'm honest, I wasn't sure if I'd find anything because as I said, I don't journal as often as I'd like. But in the first three notebooks I picked up, I started like putting post-its to mark them, and I ran out of post-its. There's should be a, a picture coming on the screen. These are, my, these are all the time. So, you know, um, I found over 40 separate occasions where I recorded God speaking to me explicitly about church planting through scriptures, sermon notes, prophetic words from other people. 30 other occasions where I've recorded my prayers, wrestling with God about this idea of church planting. And about eight or nine times where I've recorded my, daily, my detailed daydreams about what a church plant could look like in Fairvale. So as I read through my journals, it's a theme that came back again and again and again. It's like God had an agenda, I think. So I'll tell you this just to demonstrate really that this vision to plant a church has been birthed in the word of God. It's been wrestled with in prayer in the secret place over many, many years. And yeah, um, we believe it's from God. It took me 10 years to realize that not everyone journals constantly about church planting in Fairville. I thought that was normal. Uh, and then I realized that it's actually something that God might be calling me to do specifically. So yeah. I'm often quite short, slow to, to get the message. 
Now, my calling is very specific and explicit, but God might also be nudging you to get involved in some way through that still, small voice. That Maybe it's this niggling feeling. Maybe like me, it's not a, uh, something written in the clouds, but you just feel like it's something you should get involved with. You feel challenged to get involved. Well, that's, it's not too late to explore that, to get, to get involved. There's lots of ways to get involved. I've talked before about needing three groups of people, fans, friends, and family. Fans who will pray for us, give financially, encourage us from a distance. Friends who will help out with specific tasks, like coming to serve at the launch events and so on. And then we need family as well, who are going to journey with us uh, and be all in for the church plan. At the back, there's some tables, and today you can sign up to support us in all those different ways. There's lots of different ways, financial support, prayer support, etc. So please do check out that at the back later. I wonder if you could be one of those three groups, fans, friends or family for us. So just to summarise, as I finish, we've talked about God's mission to reach all nations in which we're all called to play a part. I'd encourage you not to count yourselves out. Start small, start where you are, pray for opportunities. I'd encourage you to look for the themes in the Bible that God keeps bringing the conversation back to. What's God's agenda and how can you join in with it? And I wonder, finally, what part God might be calling you to play in the Farvel story. Thanks for listening.